Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You know, I used to think my grandmother was crazy when she said it's going to rain tomorrow. She could feel it. Feel it in her body, feel it in her joints, feel it in her bones. And uh, the older I get, the more I'm feeling that as well. Uh, pain is an inevitable part of life. There is no way you're going to walk through this life and not experience pain. Aside from physical pain, you may be perfectly healthy. But you're going to experience some emotional pain, some, some uh, you're going to experience some, some mental trauma in your life at some point. And that's, that's an inevitable part of life. What I want us to see, though, today is, is that's a place we visit, not a place that we're intended to stay. Pain is a part of life, and there are things to learn from it, but we're not intended to stay there. We talked about in week one how God turns pain into peace. Week two, how he turns pain into progress. And then last week, look at how he turns pain into perfection. This week, through the life of Job and his story, we're going to see how God turns pain into promise. Turn, to, if, if you will, to Job chapter 14 with me, and we'll look at this text together. Chapter 14, we'll look at two or three segments, uh, verses 1 and 2, then verses 14 to 17, then dropping down to verse 22 of Job 14. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away, like a fleeting shadow he does not endure. Now verse 14, if a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. Verse 22, he feels but the pain of his own body and mourns only for himself. Job was feeling it. And, and in the middle of the, uh, pain, both physical and otherwise. And I want us to see and glean today from this text four things. The first of which is this. Turning pain in, into promise is the promise of temporary pain. Of temporary pain. Look at one and two again. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does not endure. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. From the garden and going forward to today, the, the constant in, in our culture and among men is that every child is born into this world, into a broken place. That's why every child is born into sin, born into brokenness because we're, we live in a sinful, sinful place and a broken world. Now trouble here can be defined as pain, physical, can be defined as, as a struggle of some sort, of strife of some sort, and, and that certainly applies to each of us. However, Verse 2 speaks to the temporary nature of this trouble, the temporary nature of this pain. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does not endure. So he's, he's saying this is, this is temporary or designed to be temporary, even if the temporary is my entire life. It's still temporary in terms of how I see and view eternity. And I think Job was, we'll look at that in a little more detail in just a second. We talked last week about perfection, and about completeness, about maturity. And the more mature a person is, the more they understand that what James, uh, James 4 says, that we're a mist. Our life is like a vapor. Whew. 
We're here but a moment and we vanish away. In, in comparison to eternity, speaking of there, uh, we talk uh, about the more clearly we see the, the, the fleeting nature of pain that this world brings. Look at Isaiah chapter 30, verses 20 and 21 with me. He says this, Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now listen to this again. Although the Lord gives you, watch this, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will no longer be hidden from you. In essence, you'll make sense of this. Your own eyes, with your own eyes, you'll see them, whether you turn to the right or to the left. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. In essence, he's saying, there is design to pain. It's to teach you something. It's for you. It's not to punish you, but to teach you about the nature of God and the fact that his pain has a purpose and leads to something. Uh, understanding that is the key, because not only is our pain temporary, we're temporary too, and we need to see ourselves in that light. The medicine I take for Parkinson's helps my motor skills be less difficult. It's getting worse on the right side all the time. But I can tell if I don't take my meds on, on time or as much as I should that day, uh, my motor skills are, are a far greater challenge to me. And so I, I take my meds and exercise and do what I'm supposed to do. However, I wake up each day with the harsh reality that this is a progressive disease. And it's going to gradually get worse and has and is. That's the very same thing that he's talking about here in the first and second verses of, of Job 14. Man, born, and woman is full of days and full of trouble, but the trouble is not going to endure forever. The trouble is, is there's a season to this. Even if the, and, and, as I said a moment ago, we'll look at this more in just a moment, but even if the season is, you're going to be in pain your whole life. I think Job was ready to deal with that. I think at this point, he's ready to say, if this lasts for the rest of my days, so be it, because in light of eternity, the rest of my days are but a fleeting breath. It's temporary in terms of my life and, and my, uh, from, from an eternal standpoint. The, the point is that uh, these first two verses are a balance of harsh truth and medicinal hope, kind of uh, at, at the same time. Hope that pain is a temporary place. Second thing is this, not only the promise of temporary pain, but the promise of graduation. Look at the last part of verse 14. He says, if a man dies, will he live again all the days of my hard service? Watch this. I will wait for my renewal to come. I will wait for my renewal to come. Now, let's first answer the question. If a man dies, will he live again? Well, the Bible speaks of the existence of a literal place called hell. Depending on your translation, uh, your translation, it may say Hades or Sheol, referring to the same, all three referring to the same place. And it refers to a literal place called heaven as well. It further speaks to the, the, the eternal nature of these two places and environmentally the circumstances and the conditions that will be there. Heaven is a place where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow, the Bible says. Hell is a real place where there is weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. It describes hell as a place where the worms never die and the fire is not quenched. That descriptive, that, those descriptive types of ter, 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 uh, terminology in Scripture point to the fact that these are real places. Real places where you, I, you and I will spend eternity in one of those two places. A place called heaven or a place called hell. If, if, if there is that much detail about the lodging options for our eternity, you better believe they're real places. 
and we need to know who we know uh, to, to avoid uh, living, living our eternity out in a place called hell. Job speaks to this renewal, this release. Uh, so the answer to that question is a, a, a resounding yes. If a man dies when they're living it, yes, he will. Job speaks of this renewal and release to that place. The, the word release or renewal here in Scripture literally more points to this idea of coronation or graduation or uh, commencement, more or less. So not only does Job understand that his pain is, and his life are temporary, he's willing for his pain to last until the end of his life, which he hopes is soon. He gets it. In fact, he says, the, the key word here is, I will wait. I will wait. Yes, the real graduation occurs when we step out of this life and into the next one. But we were designed to bring home an A's, some A's and B's in, in, our, in this spiritual journey that we're on as well. And so don't, don't miss that truth as well. If you miss that, you're going to miss a lot. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You know this, this verse. They'll soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Here's a less familiar verse in Isaiah. Listen to this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Hear that again. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. What's he saying? Whatever you're going through, whatever pain it is, it is worth the wait. In every circumstance and situation, it is worth the wait. You will be blessed if you wait on the Lord. Why? Because in due time, whether due time is today, tomorrow, or 150 days or tomorrow's away, in due time, he's going to show you what this is about. He's going to reveal to you what, the, what he's up to in you and around you. Wait on him to do that. There's so many times we, I, perhaps you too, have jumped ahead of him and have missed what he's up to and, and the work he's trying to do in me <clears throat> and often more importantly around me uh, Randy and I were just having a conversation a moment ago about a young lady uh, that is connected to their world and, and in their life and it's amazing what God may be doing in her life to speak to those around her that have been shocked and dismayed by what's going on in, in her God is it's never just about you don't miss that. It is never, ever, ever just about you. Ever. He's always at work around you in the lives of those that touch your life. Always. So th th there's this promise of temporary pain, promise of graduation. Thirdly, is this promise of a clean slate. Promise of a clean slate. Look at 16 and 17. Surely, then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. I love this phrase. You will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. And what an incredible truth. What an incredible promise. He knows the hairs on our head and the number of steps we'll take, but keeps no record of the sins of the redeemed. Wow, what an incredible uh, uh, truth there in, in that verse. Why is that the case? It's the case because of his once-for-all sacrifice for your sin and my sin at the cross of Calvary. Uh, by the way, that's also great advice for husbands and wives is to count each other's steps but not remember each other's sin. To know what each other's go going through in life yet not hold your faults against, the, against each other. 
quick commercial here. We're going to be dealing next next month in, in a study that we did here six or seven years ago called Family Matters. I meant to repeat this more often because we need to hear it more often. But we're going to be looking at that next month. It's going to deal with what God says in the scripture about how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be parents, what to do with kids, what to do with things that, that attack uh, marriage and family from the outside in and how we handle those kinds of things. But but there is uh, there's this idea that uh, that he will count our steps but not keep track of our sin uh, gives us a clean slate. Anybody ever have an Etch-a-Sketch as a kid? I had an Etch-a-Sketch. If you're under 40, go Google, Google Etch-a-Sketch uh, and see, see what that is. But you draw lines on this uh, uh, Etch-a-Sketch with, 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 with two knobs. And so it's harder to draw angled lines. Straight lines are easy. You, you know, you got two knobs. One goes up, one goes sideways. Angled lines are more of a challenge to draw. It takes quite a bit of talent to draw angled lines with an Etch-a-Sketch. And I don't know where my actual sketch got to, but I used to have one of those as a kid and, and loved it. The thing I loved about it, it, if you messed it up, you could shake it and start all over. Because when you shook it, clean screen. Don't try that with your computer at home or your laptop. But you could shake an etch sketch it, it goes all clean, you start all over again. That's kind of the idea he's talking about here to say, your, 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 your steps I know, but your sin I forget. You've got a clean slate with me. Come to me, ask for forgiveness. And we start all over again with a, with, a, with a clean slate from a clean place. In fact, the cross here, as, as I mentioned just a minute ago, is, is the perfect example, perfect model of multiple etch-a-sketches, multiple do-overs, multiple, I messed it up again, come back. I messed it up again, come back. I messed it up again, come back. The cross is a per perfect picture of, of that for you and I, of where we can start again with a clean slate. But, Somebody has to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Now, if you know Christ, that's been paid at the cross. If you don't know him as your Savior, that's on you. You have to pay for your own sin. I pray that you receive him before you leave this place today. If you don't know him, have your sin forgiven and that payment applied to you as well. Uh, that's why this message of truth, message of a clean slate over and over again, is such a powerful part of our journey, of our, of our spiritual journey, because... Man is born of woman and a, a few days and full of trouble. You, you're not going to have problems in this place. We're going to, we need a continual clean slate. We are promised temporary pain, the promise of graduation, the promise of a clean slate. Finally, the promise, verse 22, of no more pain. Look at what he says in verse 22. He feels but the pain of his own body and mourns only for himself. Feels but the pain of his own body. Consider with me all that Job had lost really in a matter of minutes. The enemy goes, Satan goes to God and says, you know, Job is yours because look at how you blessed him. I mean, he's one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Look at all you've done for him and all you've given him. And God says, says okay, there he is. Uh, he'll stay true to me. You can't, can't touch him, but you can touch everything he has. So in a matter of minutes, uh, messengers come to, uh, come to Job and say, uh, well, your, your livestock is gone and all your servants are gone, have been confiscated. You've lost all your property. Your property has been confiscated and, and, and commandeered. And then as those two servants are leaving to walk away, another servant comes in, messenger comes in and says, oh, there's been a storm where your kids were, were having a party. The house caved in and they're all dead. Loses everything he owns, all of his possessions, all of his property, and his children, and, and is standing alone. Here, 
for good measure, he has a wife that comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Real encouraging wife, by the way. But here he is, having lost that. And if that's not enough, the enemy comes back to, back to the Lord and says, listen, he's still got his health. That's why he's still following you. He's still got his health. He hasn't cursed you yet, hasn't abandoned you yet. And the father says, okay, I'm paraphrasing now. Okay, take his health, but you can't take his life. And so here he comes to Job uh, and, and buffets his body with sores. From, the scripture says, think, think uh, similar to shingles or something along those lines. Sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's sitting out on a pile of ashes outside of his house uh, with a broken piece of pottery, scraping his sores for relief. Uh, Not a a real exciting picture of Job's life, but that's that's how much he lost and and what he was facing. Verse 22, though, gives us a a perspective on on what crosses a person's mind when they get to the end of themselves. And you and I, before we can accept Christ, have to get to the end of you and the end of me. Here's what's on his mind. He said, he feels but the pain of his own body and mourns only for himself. Here's been my experience in dealing with people over the years with marital problems, with addiction, with whatever the problem is. Until they get to the end of themselves, they're always blaming someone else besides themselves. A person who gets to the end of themselves figures out, I'm the problem. I am my problem. Until I get to the end of me, it's your fault, her fault, his fault, that, that situation's fault, that, that, that employer's fault, whatever, company's fault. When I get to the end of me, I realize it's on me. It's my fault. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my own worst problem. That's where Job got to in verse 22, got to the end of himself. It says he mourns only for himself. How and why does he turn inward on himself? Does he, does he turn toward himself? I believe it's because he realizes that God's all he's got at that point. And he's, he's powerless. He knows God's bigger than his circumstances. And he's powerless to change his circumstances. Job, I think, figured out, and this is pivotal in the life of every believer, especially every believer in pain. Job figured out, when all I'm left with is God, I discovered he's all I need. But until I get to the point that's all I'm left with, I don't discover that's all I need. Because I think I can make this work. I think he needs a little bit of my help. I'll help him along here, help him along there. And until I get to the end, until my pain gets me to the end of me, I realize he's all I need. He's all I've ever had. So here's this question. To what, to where, or to whom are you going to run when you get in pain? Where are you going to go when you get to the end of yourself? Where else do you have to turn to but him? Who can you turn to that knows you and knows exactly what you need and knows what the pain's about and knows what the process that he's taking you through is about? Who knows that except him? Who can enlighten you into those truths except him? Uh, as uh, I'll close as I started by saying, pain is inevitable, but it always, always, always has a purpose. Pain always has a purpose in the life of every believer. If you're an unbeliever, pain's purpose is to draw you to God if you don't know him as your Savior. If you're a believer, that purpose is to in some way refine your faith and move you more toward the image of Christ to where he, you think like him, you look like him, you talk like him, you act like him. It's, it's that process of refinement and where you are in that process as to God's reasoning for the pain. 
It's to draw us to himself for, for us to see what he's up to. It always has a purpose. But I'm going to close by asking you this question. Are you seeing God's purpose for you? Are you seeing God's purpose for your pain? He doesn't allow you to walk through a painful place to get you. He's not a gotcha guy. It's just not how he operates. He allows you to walk through a, pur- a purpose- purposeful, painful place for you to see more of him. For you, for you to be drawn to the end of you, your pain to draw you to the end of you, where when you look up, all you see is him. And at that point, you'll discover he's all I've got. Consequently, he's all I've ever needed. The quicker I get that lesson, the more I'll understand what the pain's about. The quicker I understand that, the more I understand him and what he's up to. Whether it's affected your life or some a loved one's life, it's hard to, to witness someone else walking through pain. You feel helpless. You want to help. You want to fix it. You want to... You want to love on them and you want to encourage them along the way. But you want to, you want to, everything in you wants to alleviate the pain and make it go away. And according to God's word, that's the absolute worst thing we can do. God's designed for the pain to have a purpose in our life to teach us more about himself, about what he's up to. Allow the pain to run its course in your life. You're going to see at the end of it what he's done. How he's worked around you, how he's worked with you, how he's worked through you, how he's worked in you. And you can't see that until you get to the end of the process of pain. If you short-circuit what God's doing, you'll never see the end result. You have to go there again and visit it again and again until you get it. If you'll see, th- see the pain through to the end, you'll see what God's doing, what he wants to do further through your life. Whew, I wish it was better news. But the good news is this. He knows what he's doing. In every situation in your life, he knows exactly what he's doing better than you. In every situation. Let's pray. He can be trusted. Let's pray. Father, in us today, would you teach us things by way of the power of your spirit and the power of your word, meshing themselves together to speak truth to us, to help us realize you have design to everything. To the mountaintops, you have design. To the pits of the valley, you have design. You're at work in every situation and circumstance in our life for our good. Now, it doesn't always seem that way because when we run out of money before we run out of month or a relationship's broken or a job situation didn't work out very well and we're finding it to be more difficult and more difficult as the days go by. When we're in family troubles, our angst to turmoil in our family. When we're in situations where we have physical pain or there's something physical going on in our life, some kind of ailment going on that is new or we don't, don't realize what's, what's happening. The, every one of those situations are designed for us to lean on and turn to and look for and run to you. Help us today to see the value in that above the pain. The value in that above the, the, the easier way. The value in that above the way out. To find the value in what you're doing in us. Because there are those around us going to be walking in a dark place too sooner or later. And our testimony to them can be, God's worth it. Wait on him. Wait on him. You're going to see what he's up to. Wait on him. You're going to find a deeper meaning to what's going on than just what you see today. Wait on him. It's worth it every time. Teach us the power of God of waiting on you to find the fact that you have great promise for us. And the promise is the pain doesn't last forever. The promise is there's a graduation day coming. The promises are the pain's temporary. But you're not. You're eternal. 
Help us to lean on and walk toward you and toward what you're doing in our life to see what the end is going to be. We can walk through pain with excitement knowing that today's not very good, but tomorrow's going to be incredible because we know what you're up to. Teach us those lessons and let those lessons be lessons that those around us can see and learn and be drawn to as well because there's power in what you're doing in us. There's power in our story. Let us be open to tell it, even through the pain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.